Hello, and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We're here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we talk about rural and small town youth ministry with DCE Angie Kolbaum. We are kicking off our series looking at different contexts of youth ministry. And while the gospel of Jesus always stays the same, we know that a congregation's context can change programming, relationship building, and Christian education. So we're going to look at how youth ministry in these different contexts uh, is different or the same. And we're going to talk with practitioners who have experience in caring for young people in many of these different settings. So many of our LCMS congregations are in maybe what we might say one-stop small towns surrounded by fields. Um, and in these areas, there are maybe fewer LCMS congregations, and they may be smaller congregations as well. And youth may be attending high schools that pull students from across a wider area geographically. So, Mark, you mentioned in uh, the last episode in our intro uh, that you grew up in what you would categorize as a rural congregation. Was there anything about that context that you think impacted your youth ministry? Um, are there fond memories of, of living in a small town? Well, uh, besides the point that I grew up in Western Montana at the base of the Rocky Mountains, which was fantastic to wake up in essentially a national park every morning. That was pretty awesome. I won't, won't lie about that. But nonetheless, thinking about, I mean, as I was kind of said in the introduction, I was one of those towns that especially I think was unique. And we'd visit our relatives in Southern Illinois and would be blown away by like, seemed like every two miles we were driving, there'd be an LCMS sign for a congregation. That was not my rural context. Uh, we had members of our church driving 35, 40 miles to drive to our congregation and not drive by another LCMS church on that trip. And so because of it, like I said, we had multiple high schools represented, some large, some smaller, uh, but we were able to come together and have kind of some, a diversity of growing up even in that small of a geographical context in that way. So that was one thing that was definitely unique. I, I could go into a long list about growing up in a small town, especially uh, where I grew up, that really shaped me as a young person. But I think one of those things, again, was that geographical area that uh, my church represented, uh, which was pretty cool. And then I think the other thing too of, for me, and I think this has changed, and I don't know, Angie might have something to say about this. When I was growing up in a rural area, we hadn't been touched so much, I think, by the overscheduling of life as much. There just wasn't that as many opportunities. And so because of that little bit of slower down, I got to do a lot of different and unique vocational roles, I think, whether that was as a high school student, whether that was working, um, whether that was having intergenerational relationships in a small town and a smaller congregation uh, was a really beautiful thing for me. And so youth ministry in the congregation played a huge part of my life in terms of the amount of time that I got to stay connected to that ministry, as well as friends that and adults that I got to bond with through that ministry. Yeah. And in our millennial research, we found that congregations that were in smaller towns were more likely to have an idea of where their young people were into young adulthood. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just tracked them better. They networked them better. And part of that is just that really strong social connection you can often have in those smaller communities. Uh, and But we also saw the young people were following what was typical for the generation and that they weren't staying in many of those small towns, that often they were moving into um, more urban areas or into cities. Um, and so even though they might track them better, they might not always get to to watch them grow up into adulthood right. as they transitioned into other places. Um, so for us, we're going to dig into more in that context. And, and like Mark mentioned, we brought on Angela Kolbaum. Angela 
uh, has been working with rural and uh, youth and families for 25 years. Uh, she's currently serving as the DCE at Trinity Lutheran in Madison, Nebraska, and is a therapist in a local counseling agency. Angela received her bachelor's degree in social work and psychology in 1990 from Dana College. She also completed her master's in family life education in 2011 from Concordia, Nebraska. And she most recently completed her master's in theology with her DCE certification from Concordia, Irvine, and a master's in professional counseling from Concordia, Wisconsin. So there's fewer Concordias <laughs> that haven't had Angie's a student than there are who have. Um, she's married to Pastor Todd Kolbaum, and they count of their great blessings, five pretty amazing kids and three amazing grandsons. Um, and so we're excited to have her with us today. Uh, Angie, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, Angie, welcome to the Anvils podcast. Uh, we get to hear a little bit about your biography, but tell us more about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry and other things that bring you joy. Well, um, it, it's kind of ironic. I don't know that this is really where you want me to go, but I grew up in a city mm. and I married an Iowa farm boy. So <laughs> that's kind of where my everything shifted after we got married. I had always thought I would live like in Chicago or maybe Omaha or something like that. And we ended up when we first got married, living in Elk Point, South Dakota, which is a little bitty blip in the little piece that comes down between Nebraska and Iowa. And uh, um, I worked in the social work field and was a volunteer at church, Sunday school, VBS, women's ministry type things, but never thought that that would be a role that would become more than just, you know, here and there. And, uh, and then my husband felt called to the ministry after we'd been married about 10 years went back to SEM and um, in 2004 at his first call was when I really kind of, because we'd made the decision that I would stay home because at that point we had four children and we were going to be welcoming, welcoming our fifth. And um, the first Sunday we were in the little rural community in Missouri, the, uh, I think it was, she was the kindergarten teacher came up to me and she says, I'm so glad you guys are here. I heard you want to do high school Sunday school. <laughs> and I said, well, I can, I'd love to help you. And there started my ministry. I absolutely <laughs> loved because before that I had always done Sunday school for little mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And um, she came, I think, to two Sunday schools and then got real busy and it was <laughs> Angie's deal. So, and that was all right. I was completely okay with that. And um, I fell in love with the ministry of the church. I fell in love with a rural community. I never mm -hmm. in my life thought that I would enjoy a small rural Missouri community the way that I did where we were in uh, coal camp. Because um, when we lived in rural communities prior to that, it was a suitcase. I worked outside of town. I would drive to the nearest city to do social work. And then I would do weekend stuff. And, and our church was in our community, but that was about it. So um, I have served. The, the reason I went back and got my um, youth and or family life ministry uh, masters was because I felt like I had all like a set of tools for social work and psychology, but I didn't have the ministry tools. So I went back and um, that kind of launched me into intergenerational stuff uh, across the board, cradle to grave, you know, not I think that ministry is more about how we can come together as a whole rather than siloing us out into, okay, we've got, you know, children's ministry, youth ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, 
uh, older adult ministry, widows ministry, all this. I think it makes so it's so much more healthy in our communities when we can bring all of those people together. You do have some things that you need to kind of um, specialize in, but there was a period of time in our church where it was very there wasn't much crossover. And I see in a lot of congregations where we're crossing over a lot more now and understanding that the older adult ministry has a lot to offer to our young adult ministry. And our young adult ministry has a lot to offer to our children's ministry, more than just setting up chairs, getting Mm -hmm. daycare Mm -hmm. at the auction every year. So um, I don't know. I just really love working with youth. I I go through seasons where I think maybe I'm getting too old. And then I think, I don't, you know, the Bible does not say anywhere in it, anything about retirement. (laughs) And so I'm thinking, as long as I can provide something for somebody, that's, you know, and I might not be hip. I might not be relevant. I might not wear the skinny jeans. I might not do all that stuff. But I think that the kids that I work with know that I bring something different to the table. And I think that um, older DCEs, older youth workers, older volunteers have a lot to offer too. I don't think you have to be the 22 year old right out of college. I think they have a wonderful place. I'm not saying they don't, but I'm just saying don't um, don't think we age out of it. I think because if we love the Lord and we love these kids, I think those are your two biggest requirements. So anyway, I love hearing how God brought you kind of into youth ministry and and how you fell in love with that. Um, one thing we like to hear from people who are coming on for the first time is is maybe just uh, about their junior high and high school years <laughs> since you grew up in a city. Uh, can you share a, a time where Jesus used a key moment or moments to or people even to help keep you and bring you close to him or the church? My uh, I grew up Elsinus Lutheran. Went to the Lutheran grade school, went to Lutheran high school. Um, church was never an option. It was always just an expectation. And um, I had kind of a different experience. When I was in the Lutheran the Lutheran church I went to, I don't remember us having a junior high ministry at all. I don't remember that being something because we would do things through the school, mm-hmm. um, which is bothersome for me because that means our public school kids weren't getting anything mm-hmm. except for their public school confirmation now that I'm older, not at the time. And then um, I went to a Lutheran high school and high school ministry, uh, youth ministry was primarily done through my high school because, and I I don't mean to be negative with this, because I went to a Lutheran high school, I was kind of written off by my church's Hmm. um, youth ministry. It was a volunteer. I was one of two that went to the Lutheran high school. Everybody else went to the public high school. So they Hmm. kind of put all of their effort into, which I get. So I have tried to make it my kind of thing is I tried to be as inclusive of every single person, regardless of where they're at or what they're doing. Sometimes I think people think I'm nuts, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. But um, that was one of the things that really, I think, shapes how I do ministry today is I try to find bridges that we can bring between the kids that go to the public school and the Lutheran school and bridges between, like you said, Mark, we pull from a couple different high schools because mm-hmm. we're so spread out. Um, but uh, my high school experience, I had some amazing Lutheran high school teachers mm-hmm. that had a heart for the ministry. And I think those high school educators that I had at the Lutheran high school 
were so influential in how to weave into my life, my faith mm. beyond just go to church on Sunday and then you do your other stuff Monday to Friday and then maybe you volunteer once or twice in the year. It, they really taught me how to, that my life, living out my life every, or my faith every day in everyday life, not just in a certain context and how it, it has to permeate every part of who you are. So we love to hear those stories of yeah. uh, people in different roles who either planted the seeds or they nurtured mm -hmm. the growth that was happening to a young person at different parts in their life. So, so thankful for uh, Lutheran uh, high school teachers and others too that invest along the way. So you get that investment in you and then you get to serve amazing young people. So tell us a little bit about what you love working with young people in your congregation and in your community. Um. I'll be real honest, this last year has been a real challenge in that we had just moved here in uh, August of 2019, and then the pandemic hit in March of 20. So we were just trying to get our feet wet and figure out who was who and 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 make connections, and we had to shut it down. So I kind of feel like since about May of this year, we've been doing a lot more of uh, reaching out and I absolutely love in our small community, we have our church. I I should have probably found this out, but I didn't, uh, how big our church is, but our congregation isn't huge. And um, I'd say we probably have about 35 to 40 high school youth that could be involved. And uh, I have enjoyed getting to know the kids through the community that I find out oh, they're members at our church. That's so awesome because I haven't had that connecting point that we would have maybe had had the pandemic not hit. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of enjoy meeting them where they're at because I think sometimes with high school kids, it's hard for them always, especially since the pandemic and everything, we've seen a real change in how kids interact. And, um, but meeting them at the pool or at the, where they're working and just striking up a conversation with them. I think that means a lot to them that I know who they are, which has been kind of a challenge because when you don't know the families, it's really hard to know who the kids are. But we have, that's the nice thing about a small community. I can say, hey, I think that kid that works at Subway, because I don't know if we're a small community, but every small community in Nebraska has a subway. I don't, that's the weirdest thing I've ever experienced, but that's the truth in northern, northeastern Nebraska. They don't have a Casey's, but we have a subway. Um, anyway, and I'll say, do we know that? And the elder will say, yeah, that's so-and-so, and that's so-and-so's grandchild, and he's going to be a junior at the public high school or wherever. So that is so cool that most people in what you said, jo Juliana, about um, the study is true. I think we do have a better handle of where our kids are because mm -hmm. everybody's related to everybody. Mm -hmm. You can, it's the seven degrees of the Lutheran, you know, in town where you can go, well, do you know who this person is? Because I've never seen him in church. And I sent a birthday card to him and it came back. Does anybody know? Mm -hmm. And within two or three contacts, I can figure out where that kid is to be able to to, to track them now, which maybe they don't like, I don't know, but <laughs> who doesn't like to get fun mail? It's not a bill. So. 
Anyway. No, but is, I think that is a huge advantage, right? In so, mm-hmm. rural and small town contexts are going to look very different from place to place. But what might be some of the common elements that you're going to see when you're living and doing ministry in kind of rural areas or small towns? Well, I think something that I've seen across the board, we've lived in three different rural communities and I've done youth ministry in each of them. Uh, one of the things is, uh, you know, Mark, you made mention of the fact that they don't have all the extra stuff. But what we're noticing is there's a lot more, like most of my kids are three and four season athletes. You know, mm-hmm. they'll play football in the fall, basketball in the winter, uh, golf or baseball in, or track in the spring. And then they do baseball or some special sport in the summer. So they're really committed that way. But they're also on mock trial. They're also student council. They're also, you know, in their FCAs. They're in um, uh, uh, choir, band. I mean, they are very committed because we have such a small pool of kids. And I think so many of our rural high schools are trying to offer just as many things as the larger high schools do today so that the kids have a greater uh, high school experience. And I think that's awesome. But what we what I see happening is the kids that were really involved are really involved at high school, too. And then probably two or three of my kids are marginally involved with the high school activities and they still come to youth group. So there's a lot of overcommitment in that respect. Um, The other thing I see is. Sadly, the the athletic aspect of things has really become, I mean, the kids that are playing volleyball in the fall are also playing in a winter league in the winter and playing high school basketball. Mm-hmm. So there's like this trying to schedule, um, t- Pastor Todd and I were discussing yesterday how we're going to do public school confirmation. And you can't really do it during the week because during the week they've got something every night after school for junior high kids. Yeah. So we're going to go with Sunday after church and that's going to be the time. But I know we're going to run into issues with that because of weekend tournaments and weekend travel ball and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to do the best we can with what we have. So um, that's kind of an issue. Uh, one of the joys of it, though, is the fact that we've got people that will, uh, if they don't see somebody, they know the kids and they'll say, hey, we've really missed you in church this weekend. Or, mm-hmm. hey, I saw you went to LVR. That is so cool. What was the neatest thing you did while you were at L- LVR? And they know our kids. Our older people yeah. in the congregation know who our teenagers are. They know who they are and who they belong to. And if they don't, they don't have a problem asking and saying, mm-hmm. hey, who's that kid that was on the end in the picture that, you know, and I think that's awesome because they care and they, they want to know who our kids are. So. Absolutely. I want to make a, a slight pivot. Um, so you're talking about the youth and the access that they have now to maybe sports and other activities they're able to do. I want to talk about the youth worker a little bit. Um, and doing youth ministry in rural small town areas might mean that you're less able to access maybe some of the networks within maybe the LCMS youth ministry or other parts of your district or other areas um, and just be able to attend conferences or other trainings. What are some of the ways maybe that you personally or you suggest to get support in those times to network um, maybe when you can't be physically close to other LCMS churches and youth leaders? That is a real challenge. I think it's uh, now you were talking about Montana. 
we've been very blessed. The three places we've served have been like heavily concentrated Lutheran areas. So um, I think one of the first things that I would recommend is check your circuit and talk to your pastor and find out if there's somebody else in the area, whether they're called or not, and just try to connect. Some of my most um, valuable resources have been both called DCEs and volunteers that have been doing it for, you know, decades. And I think if you can find those people, you can Facebook message, text, email, mm -hmm. whatever. I think that's the first and foremost. And I would say if you cannot go to anything else, try to make it to the professional church worker meeting or for a conference that I think every district does that. I'm not positive, but that's a good networking place to find other people. My <laughs> husband is the director for rural and small town uh, ministries for the LCMS, and they have a lot of resources for smaller. They do a, a monthly uh, webinar and it's all archived on their website and they cover things with schools, youth ministry, um, anything related to rural and small town congregations. Youth eSource has been a huge help. Um, youth Lead, I think if you can, it is worth it to do it for your youth because it's a way for them to be built up in the word and in leadership skills that they can bring back to the circuit, to the congregation, to the district, whatever that may be. Um, I also run an LCMS um, youth worker page on Facebook. Uh, we haven't, I try to post something every day that's either fun or, or not necessarily youth related, but we have had times where people will say, hey, I don't know what to do with this. And, and what, what kind of back to school stuff do you do or whatever? That page is specific to rural and small town? Yes. Awesome. We can and get a link on that on the show notes. Okay. And it's it's also for called and non, you know, volunteers, whatever. If you work in youth and you need any assistance that we try to use that as kind of a, it came out of the RSTM conferences as a way, a forum for discussion. The uh, LCMS uh, youth ministry, I don't know, you guys just changed the name of it on Facebook. But that is a really good resource, too. I know it's a challenge in Montana, Wyoming, I, where you've got, you know, hours between each mm -hmm. church. But if with technology, that's one really awesome right. thing that came out of the pandemic. Yeah, Everybody absolutely. can Zoom. So what uh, are some of the unique joys that you might see in doing youth ministry in a rural or small town area? I think the most unique joy that I have is the fact that I can have the kids to my home. And I have kids that feel comfortable coming into my house and being a part of um, my community, it, my home community. You know, my kids, my biological children laugh about the fact that they think sometimes I like my youth kids better. <laughs> and uh, which isn't true, of course. Well, maybe some, I don't know. But just the fact that you can have, you know, with the smaller groups, you can have much more intimate gatherings you know we can get together mm -hmm. during the pandemic last november we were doing zoom bible study and the kids said can we stop doing zoom and i said mm -hmm. yeah they said can we just start meeting at your house I'm like yeah we can do that i checked with parents to make sure they were okay mm -hmm. with it but mm -hmm. when you only have five or six kids you can mm -hmm. socially distance in a living room very easily mm -hmm. you know um but the i really enjoy the relational aspect of it. The fact that I really get to know the kids that I work with, you know, 
numbers sometimes are impressive when you go into a, because that's even here, I had, how many kids did you have go to LVR? And I know that that's just how we all think, you know, numbers equal success. But I think it's so important to remember that if we're making, you know, really solid, good relationships in, in the Lord with these kids, that's a connecting point for them. And I, the other part that I really like about the smaller congregation is the fact that I can be more intentional about connecting them with other people within the church. We've got some um, young people who are looking into church work, and I've been able to put bugs in ears, and people are just really encouraging and, oh, let me know what we can do. Can we help you out with this or help you out with that? And I think... Um, and I know you can do those in big churches too, but it mm-hmm. just seems to be a little bit easier in a smaller congregation because you know the people a little bit more on a regular basis. Because the people that I worship with on the weekends are the people that I see everywhere around town. And I know when we lived in St. Louis, we worship with people on Sunday and you might not see them again till the next right. Sunday unless you had something at church. So um, the lady sitting in the back of the church is the lady who's doing your driver's license on set, you know, when you go in, I mean, that's just kind of the way it is in a smaller congregation and a smaller well, and area. I, yeah. Yeah. And I want to, let me step on uh, to touch on that a little bit. And I think you brought it up a little bit. You're talking about the birthday cards and you know, when, when you don't maybe have the right address. So we saw in our, our research where the positive side of the connectedness of a congregation, you know, them relationally. And I think maybe for someone who's maybe especially new to youth ministry, We've talked about the positive side of it. Would you say, what are some things you might say more about that to be aware of when maybe not a negative, but maybe some of the other sides of that, when you do know everybody, what are some of the things you maybe have to walk through in a rural, small town context for a congregation, uh, the history, the connections, the relationships that, what have you learned in that time that you might pass on to another youth worker in that context? I think you need to be uh, cautiously optimistic I think sometimes you have to remember with families, um, and we've actually had this happen where families don't get along and there have been history and there's been hurt and there's been things that have happened. The positive is I'm not a part of that Mm because I didn't grow up here. I didn't have a part of any of that stuff. So I can love both of them without any baggage or anything coming out of it. So I think listening to the stories and and um showing compassion and prayer for them because it is it some families can be very enmeshed and there can be a lot of hurts i think that's why and i don't know um what i've seen in small rural communities that's why some churches there are three or four different Lutheran churches. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. start digging into the history, it's because back in 1904, two brothers got mad at each other about something. So the one brother went and started the other church in town, and then the other brother stayed there. And then it, so some of these things are like 100 years old. The, mm-hmm. And people don't even know today why it is they were arguing. Right. They just know that those. So I think listening to the story and understanding helps a lot to understand why some families um, function the way that they do and not judging them for that. It amazes me how, what's the word I want? How not tenacious, but um, strong Mm -hmm. that each, some of these communities have been that they're still going 150 years later, Mm -hmm. despite all of these things that Satan has thrown at their congregations and 
either through pastoral leadership, through family things, whatever that might be. So I think just being very careful as a new worker, you know, my husband and I learned that early to just sit back and kind of get an idea of where the people are so that you can care for them where they are rather than coming in and saying, well, this is what we're going to do and this is going to be the savior for everything. And this is what it says in the Bible. So we have to do this. Not that I'm not, that probably wasn't the best choice of words, but, but this is because we want to do what's in the Bible, but just being, um, what's the word? cautiously optimistic, just giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, but listening to the story, because I think sometimes the story will inform where we're at today, even if it's over a hundred years old, because right. you can, and you're going to, one of the toughest parts for me in rural ministry has been when you've got cousins that are of the same age and they don't get along. Yeah. And well, are they going to go? Well, if they're going, I'm not going to go. Mm. And trying to figure out a way to bring them together. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so then you just go and you do something with each one, trying to build relationships because that happens and it's really hard. And so I don't yeah, know. Networking can be fantastic when it wants to track people down. It can be less fantastic <laughs> when you're trying to avoid people, yeah. right? Um, right? That's like, it's a great thing. You know that the kid at Subway is a part of your church. It's less fun when you're trying to avoid the, you know, those people. Yeah. Um, so what are some, uh, just kind of thinking about what are some other challenges for, for young people in rural or small town settings and how might that impact youth ministry? I really think a lot of the challenges are probably very similar to what people deal with in the urban areas and suburban areas. I really do. I think that, you know, we deal with social media. We deal with, you know, appropriateness in using social media, um, same dating stuff. Um, like I said before, one of the biggest challenges is just the smaller school and the kids are over-involved because they, you know, you want them to experience all of those things. Um, time, priorities. You know, I think we're seeing that being, yeah, I think that's across the board. I don't, I don't know that I've talked to a worker anywhere that hasn't said that priorities of families and what, you know, well, my child has a basketball camp that week, so they can't go to the national youth gathering, but the national youth gathering is a really awesome experience for them. But, you know, just, mm -hmm. I think they, the, the challenges I think are similar. It's how we can handle them because I think sometimes in a rural setting, we might be a little bit more aware of it because it, we might see it a little easier when you've only got five kids there and they're talking about stuff and you're going, hmm, is that really appropriate? Should we really be discussing that? And it, whereas if you've got, because I even noticed that at LBR when we had 25 kids, you know, when they start talking about some, you're not always able to, because there's just so much going on. So that would be the biggest difference. But I think um, that's why a lot of larger churches have small groups. Mm -hmm, right. You know, we have a small group. <laughs> it's just there. So, but a yeah. lot of larger churches do small groups for that more intimate yep. and ability to get to know each other and what's going on. So I really don't, you know, because we, we've had to deal with suicide this year. We've had to deal mm. with uh, overdose on drugs. We deal with. Uh, you know, sex, we, all of the same things that are being, it's just on maybe a smaller scale, I think. 
Well, and that's one of the reasons why I think anybody can appreciate the context that we're talking about in these podcasts is that like, even if you're not in a rural and small town area, you're going to be dealing with a lot of the same mm-hmm. things. Uh, but, the, but the way in which you deal with them is going to be a little bit mm-hmm. different. And so, and you know, it's nice to hear about what, it, what might be distinct and unique about different contexts, but also comes down to it. A lot of it is teenagers um, mm-hmm. are experiencing a lot of the same things um, in different places, regardless of, of, of where they're at. So we appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit about what that looks like for you in youth ministry and uh, look forward to, uh, to sharing that with other people who might be in those same rural and small town contexts. Thank you. Well, we thank Angie for her insight and speaking of her experience, her heart for young people, um, just that opportunity to share the gospel in a lot of uh, different ways that you're able to do in that rural and small town context um, and be able to hear uh, some of the things we saw in our research, um, some of the ways those seven practices play out in her congregational context, the three that she served at, um, and be able to hear those joys too, that opportunity to serve young people in those strongly connected, knitted communities and neighborhoods that we know in the rural and small town context. Yeah, I love that she can identify supportive adults to bring yep. alongside people, um, that she's able to use supportive adults to kind of keep kids who are maybe on the margins connected into uh, their ministry. And I love that that's often the case in rural and small town contexts is that that relational network that supports young people and helps connect them to the church can be really powerful. Love it when uh, she touched on it. We we got some feedback from National and we had people sitting at some tables in some context and here relationships that got connected. So know if you are working in rural, small town context, reach out. Um, there are people who want to connect with you and want to be sharing ideas and building relationships with you as a youth worker, whether you're a professional full-time, whether you're a volunteer. Uh, use some of those resources Angie talked about or contact us to let us know how we can be helpful in that way so you can get to uh, be supported by other youth workers as well in the work that you do in um, investing in young people. Yeah, and we definitely know that that there is not just a perfectly idyllic setting right. for all. <laughs> There's going to be conflict there. There's going to be issues that are going to pop up, and and young people are struggling with so many of the same things that we see them struggle with in any context um, and often doing it in a place where there's really nowhere to hide um, yep, so, yep. Um, where you really have to approach a lot of those things uh, up front. And I appreciate Angie talking about how we need to, to listen very carefully mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. need to, to hear stories and we need to be sure that we're you know leaning into the relational part of that in order to ensure people are connected. Yep. So a closing question about that, that if you're serving in the rural car, uh, context, what are relationships that are there or people in your congregation that you can help invest in young people relationally? And as you help point them into a lifelong uh, time in the church, as well as as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And how might you as a youth worker connect with either your circuit or your district to identify either professionals or volunteers who are in your area who you can connect with as networking and support for youth ministry? Last question is, what are things that you can do to listen well to the history of your congregation, uh, to be understanding how God has worked through people and through church workers and through time and building relationships amongst the people of God in that place and to appreciate that and to deeply understand those relationships that you see before you in your ministry context. We will continue to keep you in our prayers regardless of your context, but particularly for those this week who are in that rural and small town context, as you care for young people, as you reach out to them, as you uh, help and support them as they walk in faithfully, uh, we ask that uh, God continue to bless you in those vocations. And Gold Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links or resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. 
Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.